0: You're listening to episode 2.30 of the Midlife Improvement Project. And on this week's episode, I'm chatting with my coach, Katherine Morrison. In our coaching container, she fuses mindset, spirituality tools, and embodiment work, along with kick-ass business practices to help us to access all of our special gifts as we go out and serve our clients and customers, and to do it with delight. She guides us in incorporating what brings us pleasure and fun into our businesses. I want to share her wisdom and energy with you, and so she is here today as my guest. Let's go. Welcome to the Midlife Improvement Project, a podcast about what really matters as you negotiate midlife. Some might call this time of life a crisis but I want to introduce you to the idea that it's an awakening. This is a time to listen to your soul, to find your purpose, to reflect on what you really want to do and be in the days you have left here on planet Earth, and then write your own midlife manifesto. You're not less of yourself on the other side of midlife, you are more. This is a time to be celebrated, not tolerated. I'm your midlife wake-up coach, Dr. Peggy Malone. I'm a healthcare provider turned life coach who helps women in midlife lean into the magic of being a woman as we head into the second half. I help you to decide where you want to go next with this one precious life and really claim all of your big dreams and goals while caring less about what anyone else thinks about it. After all, if someone is going to be unhappy with your life, it shouldn't be you. In just under a month, I will turn 50 and as I head toward this milestone birthday, I want to use this podcast as my midlife manifesto. There will be no fading into the background and quietly living out my golden years with the assumption that my best years are behind me over here. I'm just getting started. I invite you to come with me. Listen in each week as I help you to wake up to what's possible for you in midlife as you learn to manage your mind, get curious about what got you here, and get clear about where you want to go next on the way to being an even better you. Let's get after it. Catherine is an ex-tech worker turned digital entrepreneur who explodes her corner of the internet with equal parts cosmic rainbows and super strategic business building guidance. People come to her to build businesses that are equal parts intuition and logic, structure and flow, creative and strategic. Think like if a yogi, Lady Gaga, and Warren Buffett had a baby. You can find her at www.catherinemorrisoncoaching.com or on Instagram at Catherine Morrison Coaching. Or find her on her podcast, Ascension Through Entrepreneurship, on your favorite podcast platform. My guest today is a unicorn in the business coaching space, which is why I chose her as my coach. She mixes wild feminine, fantastic woo, and a very strategic business plan all into the same cauldron. And I am all in. Catherine, welcome to the show.
1: (laughs) That, I think, was my favorite intro I've ever gotten.
0: Oh my goodness, love it.
1: Well done. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation.
0: I'm excited too. Now, I'm familiar with many of the ins and outs of you and your story, but I'm sure that my listeners will be super curious. So why don't we start by having you share a little bit about your story, where you started, what you do now, and the winding road that got you here.
1: Sure. I mean, where I started, are we starting from the womb? Where are we starting?
0: (laughs) Well, you tell me, where would you like to start? Maybe not the womb. Was that exciting?
1: guy like i did a really when i was little um i was a little bit of a wild child but then i also had this super strategic business brain and then i learned like that i got rewarded for that so i started squashing all these different parts of me my creativity my wildness like all those things um went through the school system did very well went through college did that graduated and i was like oh to be valuable i have to have a fancy title did that i was really good at checking boxes of what everyone else told me who I should be and and what it meant to be successful. And then as I continued through adulthood, I was like, this doesn't seem right. (laughs) Like I've got everything that everyone told me was like the thing that would make me happy, but I'm like really not happy and this doesn't feel fulfilling. Um, And so at that point, I was working in the tech industry. And honestly, there's a lot I still love about the tech industry, but it just wasn't aligned for me. So I decided to leave and start my own business. For a while, I was in like the mindset coaching world. We I did very well in that, generated over a million dollars in my first three years, like in a brand new industry. And then in that same time, I had a spiritual awakening, and which was very funny because I was like an atheist before that. <laughs> And then all of these parts of me, that, like when I was little, when I would like love like creative stuff, when I love nature, like all of these things sort of started to come back online. And then I had to contend with like all of the conditioning my brain had around, like, I'm not supposed to be that way and I'm not supposed to show up that way. And it's been a process. But now at this point, I would say I'm fairly integrated and embodied. I mean, we can talk about <laughs> people have been joking. I'm on like a podcast tour. So I've been on a lot of podcasts. They're like, so Catherine's like, she did naked photo shoots on Instagram. So like now I just show up how I want to show up. I am who I want to be. And I'm pretty good at helping people do the same in their businesses. So that's me and who I am. Love it
0: love it. And I'm so glad you're here. Okay. So you mentioned your spirituality, your spiritual awakening and the way that you bring elements of energy and spirituality into your coaching is so appealing for me and so many right now. So I feel like spirituality is having a bit of a moment and my listeners are really interested in personal growth and development. And like me, they've been reading all the self-help books for a million years. They've been following mentors that have helped with mindset and goal setting and all of those personal development tools but it seems like spiritual practices outside what we've been conditioned to know about in the West are sneaking sure. into all of the cracks right now. Yeah, so yeah. I'm just wondering if I'm confirming my own bias because I'm into all of the woo lately,
1: or do you think there really is a collective spiritual awakening happening? And no, it, I, it feels like it. I mean, because I I think even if you consider what used to be considered fringe, we could even talk about how like in fortune 500 companies now, how mindfulness and meditation is just stuff that's coming inside of there. And when you think about what happens once you bring mindfulness and meditation, like you start having deeper levels of awareness. And so I think it's like, yes, maybe a little bit of our bias of being in that space. It seems like it, but there's actually just statistically, just look at what, like my kids are learning the square breath and like mindfulness inside of their school, a public elementary school in East Austin, Texas, right? So I think we're in a little bit of a global awakening. I'm, I'm here for it.
0: I'm here for it too. All
1: right. So then, that said, for
0: those people that are interested in personal development and have sort of used those traditional personal development tools, how do you think yeah. that they can best incorporate some of these spiritual practices in as they like start to dabble when they're when they're interested, but they're I guess they're spiritual curious. Let's call it
1: that. Yeah. 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 I I actually, I've been thinking about this because I feel like it goes a little bit in layers. I think for most people, when you come into personal development and you've just sort of been in society, mindset is the first easy stop because we've all basically been conditioned through the school system to be a brain in a jar. So like mindset is something that we can kind of easily wrap our head around. And I remember for me, when like I came into this world and people were like talking about like getting in touch with my feelings I was just like, no, we don't have time for that. Like, we got a business to run, right? Like I was so anti-feeling. And now I'm just like, what's the texture of that feeling in my body? Right. <laughs> so it, it feels like it goes a little bit from like mindset. And the mindset naturally leads itself to like what is like the mind-body connection and what's happening. And so I think that could be anything from like meditation. There's a lot of like in the yoga space. I'm actually not huge into yoga, but it does feel like that's like a pretty big like mind-body connection sort of modality. Um, Even just talking, we just talked a minute ago how my kids are learning like breathing in their elementary school, right? Like that's just regulating the nervous system. And then once your nervous system is regulated, you come into a deeply relaxed state. And then once you're in a deeply relaxed state, you have access to a part of yourself that you usually don't have. If you're just like in general society, day-to-day, like buzzing around. And that is, I think when we go into more of like the spiritual realms of what is that, like what is happening. And I mean, we could talk about spiritual experiences of like, there are actually people who open spiritual gifts around, like they have healing hands or they have, I mean, like I have like psychic gifts that are coming online. Right. So It's sort of like you start in the shallow end and as you go deeper and deeper, it's just like, I'm sometimes I'm like, where does this end? My husband is like, where does this end? (laughs) (laughs) But I would just say like, follow your, if, if people are listening and they're interested in this, I would say, follow your interest. I remember it was probably just like four years ago. I was interested in like Oracle cards. And I remember I bought my first deck and I literally was scared to touch them and open them for like weeks. Cause I, I would been raised like a Catholic and I had been raised to believe like, oh, that stuff is bad. That stuff is wrong. And so I had to like, real, I'm like, wait, like a deck of cards that like I pull something and then I like connect with my own inner wisdom. Like that's bad. (laughs) And so to recognize there might be some things that are out of your comfort zone, but you'll start to feel like the sparkle inside of you of your interest towards something.
0: I like that. Um, And then just to expand on this sort of subject matter, we recently, in the coaching that I do with you, we had this beautiful immersion retreat um, in Arizona, and we had so many wonderful spiritual experiences that had me dropped into that space that you're talking about and connected and feeling so amazing. And now, a couple of weeks later, back to real life. So it reminded me of the book that maybe you've heard of. It's by Jack Kornfield, and it's called After the Ecstasy, The Laundry.
1: Um, And,
0: um, And I'm just wondering, like after the ecstasy of all this beautiful spiritual connection, we are faced with the task of translating back into the day to day of our imperfect lives. So I'm wondering how you bring your spiritual practices into your day to day life and how you do the laundry after the ecstasy of like finding these spaces inside of you. And then what would you recommend to others to combine these new spiritual tools with like the day to day stuff we got to do?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like the divinity in our humanity, right? Like we're we're all spiritual beings having a human experience. I do think for me, so what Peggy's referencing is like she's in a mastermind that I host, and part of it, we do like these really super fun, bougie three day, like all the things sound healing. uh, Like we had breath work. It was really incredible. Um, And I do think it's like you could look at how do I bring practices like that just back into my day to day life? Um, but then there is also just like, and then there is just life to be lived. Right. And so I don't think you could hear, and even like non-spiritual people, they love to talk about their, like their morning practice and like getting up super early and doing all the things. And I think you just need to know yourself. That is, I think, very nourishing for some people where like they get up early and they journal and they have that deep connection. And then maybe they like pull an Oracle card and just like ask for some sort of guidance on their day or for something like that. Um, but for every person, it's just going to be like, where do I want to find time for that type of connection back in my day-to-day life? For me, I have three kids and I don't like to get up super early in the morning. So like, I don't wake up like when it's dark outside and do that before my kids wake up. Right. So I wake up to like someone yelling, usually most mornings, (laughs) And, and then I like get the kids off to school. And then at this point I run my own business. So oftentimes like I, and it depends on the day, but like, I often just love to just get to work. So I'll work in the morning and then usually in the afternoon, I'll do something, whether it's like listening to a meditation or I will go at this point, I do have like an altar where I, and if altar doesn't resonate with people listening, it could be a meditation cushion. It could be just like a sacred space. Like if you even just have, and I do think even non-spiritual people, they're Oftentimes doing stuff, like if they have a garden outside that's like filled with plants, I promise you that's your sacred space. Like you just don't know it, but like you've created a sacred space for yourself, right? And so I do think it's worthwhile to think about like having some sort of sacred space in your home, in your environment, or at least somewhere where you can go to. Like for me, I'll go out and there's like a certain tree in my neighborhood that always makes me feel really grounded and yummy. And I just go work at a tree. Like it doesn't have to be complicated.
0: I love this. This reminds me, I have a few, and this is like really mixing masculine and feminine, but I have a few patients who are hunters. And I mm-hmm. honestly feel like when they go sit out in the woods for hours, waiting for whatever it is that they're going mm-hmm. to hunt, that's mm-hmm. their time where they're meditating and they're having this sacred time. So it's kind of mixed with violence, which is maybe not the same thing, but it, it really kind of is in a way it's where they're meditating.
1: Yeah. But, and I, I mean, I guess it's like, I don't know what kind of hunting they're doing, but I do like, there's like whole like swaths of like, conscious hunting where and if you think about what the native americans did like they yeah cared about they were like thank you animal we're gonna eat you now (laughs) versus like i'm gonna go dominate and power over which is a different vibe but i guess in either situation you could have a meditative experience during it sure
0: love it um This show is called The Midlife Improvement Project. And I like to think of midlife as a time of awakening, speaking of spiritual stuff. So it's when women who have been head down for a couple of decades, doing all the things for everybody, and then they kind of put their heads up and go, what the heck just happened? And so I think that it's a time when they're wondering, what do I do next? But I feel lost. I don't know who I am or where I want to go or what I want to do. So in my work with clients, I spend a lot of time helping people to get clear on what they want their future identity to be. And then we go get it. So the work of this shift is something that you've helped me walk through in the last year. And I think it's really relevant here. Um, You have a podcast episode on your podcast, which I'll link to in the show notes. And it's number 92. And it's called The Secret to Mind-Blowingly Rapid Identity Change. And it's the one where you talk about the caterpillar to the butterfly transformation. Mm -hmm. And so in my own identity shift and personal growth in the last year or so, What you talk about in this episode woke me up to something and it gave me a clearer sense of what to do in my next business and in my life. And so I'd love it if you would share some of the concepts around it with my listeners who may be in that place where they're just waking up in midlife and they're looking to shift their own identities to who they will be in their second half.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's it is interesting because I think probably what I help people do in their businesses is like a lot of sim like there's a lot of similarities with what you're doing with women in midlife. And I think one of the biggest things is just opening to possibility and one of the things that i have just been so blown away with like the with the work you do peggy is i'm excited to to like be a woman in midlife you are such an example of what's possible and like living full of vibrancy and radiance and adventure and so i would imagine for for your audience it's just seeing like oh like we society told us as women that like midlife is when we you know like how many articles do we hear about like the hollywood stars that just stop getting cast and right like and then it's like the slow sort of fade out and and if you they like just go gently go quietly into the night right and so i think the first thing is just recognizing that's a whole bunch of f- oh, oh, oh sorry that okay <laughs> sorry i'm sorry Peggy told me she has a clean show
0: keep on going i love it
1: You're either gonna have to edit this part out or it will be a funny blooper, but okay. It's a whole bunch of hooey and (laughs) baloney.
0: I love it so much.
1: So I'm sorry if this stays in, I tend to curse when I feel passionate and I told Peggy I would watch it and then I forgot. So anyway, I think it really is like being in midlife and just recognizing like there's so much ahead of me and this is like, this is just one chapter and I have a whole nother book to write. And like, what does that possibly look like? Right. And I think for so many women, like we just don't go there. Right? Like we just don't bother to think about like, who do I want to be in this next chapter? What does this like most amazing next version of me look like? Right. And so I think it's like the first thing is opening yourself up to transformation is possible improvement is possible. Like every, like, there's so many things that like, I mean, we so often think like, oh, I, like, I remember, I think I took the story recently, um, at our retreat, but I said, I wanted to learn the piano. And then I was like talking to my, um, my, I guess my grandfather-in-law and I was like, oh, I always wished I learned the piano. And at this point I was like in my early thirties and he's like in his nineties. And he was like, you know, you can still do that. Right. (laughs) Right. And so time. And so it's just questioning all of the things that we think it's quote unquote too late for and then just recognizing like okay so i know it's not too late now i know i can write whatever it is that i want then let me get super clear on like what is that what do i want to come into and and sometimes there might be depending on where you're at at least for me when i first came into this work i had spent so long not asking myself what i wanted i just spent so long asking what everyone else wanted of me that I didn't even really know. It wasn't even, like, it took some time to sort of unwind. Like, what do I want? And so to recognize that it might not come in as like a clear vision of like, this is exactly what I want the next chapter to be. But it's like, well, what's that inner, like that inner impulse? I, I love like Peggy goes and she's gonna do like a back handspring in her 50th year. Like, whoops.
0: Yeah, yeah, I am.
1: Yeah. And so like for every single person, there's going to be something where it's just like, I just want to do this because it sounds fun, because it sounds like it would like make me come alive again. And then just recognizing once you have that thing, you just have to look at what are all of like the thoughts and limiting beliefs between me and that thing. And to just get ready because like oftentimes, depending on the vision, there's like a lot of icky stuff, Right. That's the whole reason we're not doing it in the first place is we become aware like, oh, I have a lot of reasons why I think this is impossible. And we have to clear those one by one by one. And it can feel like being a caterpillar that goes into the cocoon and before it emerges as the butterfly, it literally dissolves. Like when a caterpillar goes into a cocoon, it doesn't like just put wings on the caterpillar body. It dissolves into goo. Right. And so I think a lot of people, that's like very terrifying for them because We sometimes go into a period where we're like, I don't know what way is up and what way is down. And like, I used to believe all these things and I don't think any of that is true anymore and what is true. Um, And it can sort of rock your world. And I don't want to scare anyone because on the other side of it is probably the most fabulous, amazing life that you right now probably think is impossible.
0: Yes. Yes to all of that. And I love that, by the way, can you like just expand on the the goo? Because this is the part that my science nerd brain loved so much. Those imaginal cells that like you're basically that caterpillar's immune system is trying to kill.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> I love it. That like the science brain, I forgot. I even talked about that, but I'm like, of course, Peggy, the, yeah, the chiropractor yeah. science woman. Okay. Okay. So when the caterpillar actually turns into goo and then like what happens is these imaginal cells start, like there's a new being, like these new cells of the butterfly start to come on and the caterpillar cells that have like turned into goo actually start to attack the cells, the new cells, right? It's sort of like the same way if we get sick, right? Like our immune system like tries to fight it off, right? And so it can happen for people that when they're stepping into the next version of themselves, it's like the old part of them that they're dissolving into goo is like fighting like hell to kill the new version. Right. And so I I do think it's like just so interesting because we see it with humans and it's literally what happens in the caterpillar to butterfly thing. And then what it does is like the, it's sort of like the, so the butterfly that's forming, it builds a barrier around itself. It like protects itself. And then it like it rapid fire starts like building and duplicating cells as fast as possible. Cause it's basically like the butterfly that's emerging is like, oh man, like I've got to, I've got to overtake right now. the like the rest of the goo is the old thing. I've got to grow pretty quickly. Right. And so in my process with change with people, I just really help people. And I would imagine you're doing this with people that when they come to work with you with goals with their life, but it's like, let's tether to the future, let's tether to what's possible and then let's duplicate those cells as quickly as possible. Understanding and having compassion for like the old part of you is gonna wanna attack it and claw it down and like keep it away. But we wanna sort of tether in as much of the new version of you as possible so that you can have leverage over like actually transforming completely into that next version.
0: I love it. I love it so much. The science brain is happy and it's also just such a lovely metaphor and a really great example of why mentors and coaches are so important for people when they're going through this process becoming a butterfly is not the easiest process sometimes we need a little help along the way
1: yeah
0: um i spend a lot of time with my clients reminding them that when a woman puts herself first everyone around her benefits and this is something that is resisted by a lot of women especially women in midlife that have all the things to do for all of the people. And so I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about the fact that I want to empower women in midlife who've been taking care of everyone else for a couple of decades to allow themselves to put themselves first. And it's kind of a hard sell. So I know that you have thoughts about this and I would love for you to share them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting. And every person is going to sort of have their own imprinting and conditioning. I do think just sort of the water we swim in as women is that like, it's our job to take care of everybody else. And like a woman's value is how well tended to everyone else is. And you can even think about like probably as a little girl, right? Like hearing like, no, 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 don't just, just be quiet. Like, don't you, we don't want to rock any boats. We don't want to make anybody unhappy. Right. So like, all of that stuff sort of comes on. It's like, Oh, it's my job to make everyone else around me. Okay. It doesn't matter how I'm doing, but it's my job to make sure to scan. How is everyone doing around me? And if anybody is not okay, it's my job to fix it. Right. And it it feels like that lives very deep, like inside of the collective consciousness of women. And they're like programming over the last few, I mean, I, I don't know, probably goes back more than a few generations. Um, I actually just like created a podcast around like being a a mom. And one of the things I never really thought about before was I actually think it was deeper than that for me, which was that I actually think that there was like a sick part of me that like enjoyed that thought my value was in how much I martyred myself for other people. And so I, and I can totally see that came. Like, I am like, oh, that's a straight line to my mom. (laughs) right? It's just sort of like, I I, I like I want everyone to know how much I'm suffering and how much I give, right? And, and like that becomes like a whole ethos of like, this is like, you should appreciate me and like, look at how much I've sacrificed. And I definitely had that before I sort of woke up and I was like, wait, that doesn't feel good. And that also doesn't feel right, right? So I think it's just sort of like waking up to, in a world of absolute possibility like what would i want it to be and then just getting clear on like these are all just older sort of paradigms like <laughs> I talk about how like tradition is just like dead people haunting us. Right. But there's just so many belief systems and especially for women. Like we've just been in this time where there's this, like, like we talked about like a spirituality waking up. Like we don't even talk about women waking up. Right. Like just in our generation, like so many women just recognizing like the inequality, the weird things that have just been happening for thousands of years. Right. And so like have some compassion, like give yourself a minute for like, Oh wait, like, Everything I've been told my whole life about who I'm supposed to be and how I'm supposed to be is maybe inaccurate, and it hasn't felt good like the whole time, right? And so I do think for me, what was interesting was like I would do so much out of like resentment and obligation, like as as a wife, as a mom, like all of these things. Like before I came into personal development, and then the more I leaned in, first of all, I was very resistant. Like now I'm known for a pleasure work, but like when I first came into like When I went into my world of possibility, I was like, in my world of possibility, I'm like drenched in pleasure. My life is just like full of pleasure. And then I had to contend with my brain being like so judgmental, so judgmental. Like, who do you think you are? That's like wrong. No one should like, you're not entitled. Like, think about like where other people are. And then it was just like so interesting. One by one to just challenge those. I remember it was like, there's suffering in the world. Who are you to feel pleasure? And I was just like, wait, but like, I can never be sad enough to like help alleviate the sad, like of of any of the suffering. And when I'm well nourished and I'm like feeling really embodied and happy, I have so much more energy to help people. Right. And so I, I do think it's interesting for women to just consider like, we are really, really powerful creators. And when we are deeply nourished, we it's not like we stop wanting to take care of people i just think it's, it's sort of in, there there's a reason why like when you see like murderers it's very rarely a woman has anyone noticed this like, <laughs> we are just like we just tend to be for whatever reason our biology has always been like we're the collaborators we're the caretakers like it is in us just naturally but not from the energy of resentment and obligation. And so when you allow yourself to start putting yourself first, what happens is you actually have more energy to do it and you actually want to do it. Right. And some things you might not want to do. Some things might be like a boundary where you've been like doing something for your mom and you're just like, mom, we just, we're just done. I love you, but like, no. And then there's going to be other things where it's like, I think I was nervous that if I really put myself first, that I would like stop like being as engaged with my kids And it was so interesting because I've never been more connected, more present, more engaged with them, but it's from a place of me genuinely wanting to be there versus like, I should do this or like, I'm a bad mom. Yeah,
0: I love it. And it just reminds me, there's an exercise that I do with some of my clients where we actually use the word selfish. And then I ask them to just tell me, what does it make you feel like? And then often a lot of stuff comes up. And then I give them an assignment where they have to go and actually be selfish for 45 minutes in the coming week before our next call. And it's amazing to me how hard this is for women. So it brings me back to what you were talking about in terms of the fact that you are known for teaching us all more about pleasure. And, you know, people hear the word pleasure and they think different things about it. But first of all, tell us a little bit more about what you mean by pleasure and then also how you would encourage women in particular to lean into it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think oftentimes when people think about pleasure, they will go to something like sumptuous pleasure. It might be sexuality. It might be um, really rich, sumptuous foods. It might be like, there's a sort of vibe that comes with that. I would extend it to just be like, anything that makes you feel really good in your body, right? And so for me, that could just be like sitting outside on a blanket in the sunshine on a Tuesday. right? I, I mean, I do teach actually about how to use sexual energy in some of my like programs. But I think, and for me, I think that was too far. Like I had, and I had had a history of like sexual assault against me. So like I had a whole lot of work to do before I could even come into owning my pleasure in that capacity. And I want to make room for that because I think like the, the statistics are not great on like what, like so many women have had happen. And then it's like, and this is like anything else, right? Like we just think that we are, we exist as women, our bodies for other people's pleasure. Right. And so I I think it's been really interesting for me when I talk about sexuality to just recognize like, that's the conditioning that women have. And then oftentimes they have resistance to even exploring that their body could be a mechanism to just experience pleasure for themselves, for the sake of like the, the joy of being in their own body. Um, and I do think there's a, I mean, even from a spiritual perspective, like sexual energy is your creative life force energy. Right. So there was so much work that I did in, in healing my sexual trauma that actually genuinely I can see the impact of it, not just in my marriage, but in my creativity and my business. So, I mean, we could go down that path, or we could just talk about like maybe you start out small and you just say, What does pleasure look like to me tonight? And the answer might be. You know, tonight I decide to like spend time in like reflection rather than being on Netflix. I spend some time and I like light some candles and I put on like a cozy robe that feels really good. And I think about what I want that next chapter to be that Peggy was talking about on the podcast, right? That would probably feel quite pleasurable. So I think it's like every person has to just define it for themselves what it means. But I do think it's really interesting just as a practice to think about what is your relationship to pleasure and do you allow yourself to have it and actively cultivate it in your life?
0: And I would just want to add to this because to me, it's obvious because I've been immersed in it being in your world. But a lot of times when people hear about this, they're like, oh, that's great, but I got a business to run. But you teach us in the coaching that your business is interlinked with your pleasure. Can you speak more to that?
1: Yeah, sure. And I mean, I think if anyone doesn't have a business, they could even just think about it being their life, right? But I think like so often we've been taught that like, oh, your business is like you put a bunch of stuff you've got to do on your calendar and then you like get it done. And then it just feels dry. It feels like you're working when you don't want to work. And then it's like, wait, but why did you bother to do that in the first place? Versus like, it is deeply my perspective that it's like when you just cultivate your life force energy, which is just like who you uniquely are. And then you actually think about what you're here to create in the world. And so for me, like, I am very clear on, like, I have a mission in this lifetime to like really help people build businesses that matter. For other people listening, your mission might be to like, raise the best family you could buy, like it doesn't matter right but like when you think about it my energy matters who i am matters and i'm tethered to my mission and if i cultivate enough of my energy and i allow myself to feel and experience pleasure and i just stay tethered to my mission i don't need cal- like to whip myself into a calendar i will just naturally almost be pulled from the future towards the thing i feel really called to create and that's definitely i mean like Oh man, like, it's like night and day. Me running my business like three years ago versus now, like I was making a lot of money three years ago, but like, it was not fun. <laughs> like, like, it was just like, it It felt powerful and it felt interesting, cognitively interesting. But now it's like, it feels like I'm creating the most beautiful canvas with the most gorgeous paints that I just like, just decide from my own joy and pleasure to paint on and create for the world. Amazing.
0: Um yeah. and that said because I think probably this leads nicely into this question when you're yeah. thinking about midlife because you're in your 30s now as you come into the next decade what do you think will happen with your identity how will you shift as you come into your midlife what's next for you in your business and your life
1: I'm going to hire Peggy and hopefully at that point she's running her adventure retreats and I'm going to join all of them
0: oh, No I for- like
1: us Peggy you make me excited to grow up like and get older And, um, when I think about what I want my midlife to look like, it probably is to be as fully alive as you are.
0: Oh my goodness. I received that. Thank you.
1: And I mean, I like, it it might look different. Listen, I'm not, I forget your helicopter thing on the mountain with the snowboarding. I'm not doing that. (laughs) My, my stuff will look different, but I think it really is like to just see the zest and the fervor that you live your life with is like it's going to manifest differently for me, but that energy is like what I deeply hope to have in midlife. Awesome.
0: Let's go get it. I shared your bio at the beginning of the show and some places where people can find more about you online. Is there one place in particular that you would like to direct people if they want to learn more about you or come and say hi?
1: I mean, in terms of social media, if you're a social media person, I'm mostly on Instagram at Catherine Morrison coaching. If you're interested in like learning about me and my programs, it would just be KatherineMorrisonCoaching.com. And actually, I know you said one place, but this came up on a, I'm doing like a podcast tour. So I've been on a bunch of podcasts yesterday and today. And someone mentioned that like, I just did a podcast on how to use my podcast. So if you're listening to this and you run your own business and you're interested in this, I have a podcast and I know you like podcasts because you're listening to Peggy's. And mine is called Ascension Through Entrepreneurship. And I just put out a roadmap to like the best of episodes that I have. And that's just katherinemorsoncoaching.com forward slash podcast roadmap. And then you can see all the best episodes for you, depending on where you're at. Awesome.
0: It's one of my favorite podcasts and I will link to it in the show notes if anyone is interested. Catherine, do you have any final words of wisdom that you want to share? One thing that people should take away from our conversation today.
1: They should hire Peggy.
0: Well, awesome. I love it. And scene. (laughs) Anything else?
1: (laughs) I mean, I think it is just like getting really clear on like what tether into possibility that whatever you want in your next chapter, like what what we've been told as women, it's like not true, right? Like it's fake news. Like your next chapter can be as vibrant and radiant as you want it to be. And when you tether into the belief in that, what opens up and just get really curious about that? And then what small step could you take like just today to move towards that? Awesome. Thank
0: you so much for being you and for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. And that's it
0: for this episode of the Midlife Improvement Project. Thank you so much to my coach, Katherine Morrison, for being my guest and sharing her story. Remember that business does not have to be separate from pleasure, and you can find delight in areas of your life that maybe you didn't know you could find it. Also remember you, and that you deserve all of the delight and pleasure and fun that life has to offer, now and always. Not after the work is finished, or the kids are grown, or you're retired, or your to-do list is finished. Right now. Go get it. If you get the feeling that I might be your coach and you are interested in learning more about me and my work and perhaps how we could work together, especially as you navigate the challenges and adventures of midlife, come visit me at drpeggymalone.com forward slash coach and sign up for a complimentary 60 minute consult where we can help you to get clear on where you are, where you want to go and how to get you there. Also, I'd love it if you would come and hang out with me on Instagram. You can find me there at drpeggymalone. And as usual, you'll find all of the resources and links that were mentioned during today's show in the show notes at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed today's show and don't ever want to miss an episode, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you usually listen. Until next time, my friends, stay focused and get after it.